of the sky! Look! It's a bird! It's a plane! It's Matt Spectro through the multiverse! Thanks for joining us for another exciting episode of Matt Spectro Through the Multiverse. As always, I am your host, Matt Spectro, lifetime comic fan, lifetime animation fan, lifetime superhero fan, and you've reached the podcast where we talk comic books and we talk animation. Thanks for joining us for episode 105. I know we've had a rocky schedule this summer, but uh, we're looking to get things back on track. Thanks for your patience, and uh, thanks for joining us once again. I'm going to briefly explain the rules, and then we're going to get our guest, and we're going to get right into it. Rule number one, we talk comic books, we talk animation. I know we've had some time off, but those rules haven't changed. Rule number two, I'm a big fan of the old team-up books, Marvel Team-Up. DC Comics presents Brave and the Bold, so it's a team-up podcast every week. Me and a special guest talking comic book animation. Rule number three, and most important, we got to have fun. We're going to get into our topic, but before we do that, I'm going to bring my guest. First time visitor to the multiverse. He is comic book writer and artist of the comic book The Offspring. Please welcome David Whalen. Hey, Matt. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. I really appreciate you joining us. First of all, let's... uh. Talk a little bit comic books. You're uh, right on RC Offspring. Before we get into the uh, details of the episode, tell us a little bit about your own comic book. So I just uh, published issue 25 of The Offspring. It's actually the end of season, what I'm calling season two. Um, and it wrapped up a whole bunch of storylines, but then opened up into the, into uh, issue 26, which is going to be season three that starts, I'm hoping, around October-ish. Um, I uh, just put out uh, volume six of the trade, collecting issues 23, 24, 25, um, our lightning crashes uh, storyline that introduced uh, a new character that's uh, going to be pivotal in season uh, three coming up here. Uh, and at the end of this month, uh, August, I am going to be uh, putting out the uh, season two omnibus that collects issues 14 through 25. So the whole season two and our second collected omnibus, and I'm super excited about it. I've, I've got a, a lot of positive feedback on my series, and I uh, think it keeps getting better and better and better. And I, I can't wait for people to see what's going to come up and happen in season three. I'm impressed. Uh, normally I talk to someone, they've just started their campaign and only have like one issue out. So you've been chugging along for a while. Yeah, it's been a while. I, you know, I keep getting every time I do podcasts, we talk about Kickstarters, and I don't Kickstart or do Indiegogo or any or fundraise in any way because I'm a one man band. I do everything myself. I'm not saying I won't ever do it in the future, uh, but I think that my time is better spent creating the stories rather than packaging books and and putting together a Kickstarter campaign. Um, I think I'm going to get a little further into the offspring and then really seriously start uh, to think about uh, a Kickstarter campaign. Uh, just to make sure that I have that story up and going. I'm shooting for, I have the whole story figured out. I'm shooting for 54 issues. So I'm almost halfway done. Uh, so to be able to have 25 in the can is, is, is a big deal for a story that I've had since I was 17 years old. So I'm, I'm uh, super excited to keep it going. So I have to ask, I ask every time I have a writer, artist, or a comic book store owner, the big debate we always hear 
It's either comics are doing worse than they've ever been doing or comics are doing better than they've ever. <laughs> where do you stand where you're actually in the industry? What do you think? I think that um, the the movies that are coming out now uh, are are going to be essentially good for the comics. But I, I do see that a, a lot more kids know these superheroes because of the movies and not because of the comics. And it was the exact opposite when when we seemed to be about the same age when we were growing up. And I think that um, anything that brings light to these heroes and these stories are are good thing. But I do wish that the the comic books, the physical books, or even digital were a little bit more accessible to younger kids to be able to see where these stories that they see on the big screen come from. Uh, so I think that uh, as an industry, uh, we need to do a better job of, of getting the, the physical books in, in hands of kids, in hands of those uh, teenagers, to be able to show them that uh, you know a lot of these stories that they're seeing on the big screen aren't brand new. They, they've been around for a good portion of them, been around for years and years. Uh, so to be able to get those physical books in kids' hands, I think is, is super important to keeping the the uh the the actual comic book paper in hand industry um going strong i think there's a lot of great stuff going on now but i do think that um, socially the stories are shifting and that's hard for old people like us to to see sometimes <laughs> <laughs> so to get those physical books in in kids hands now i think it's, it's super important uh to happen and and i'm not in charge of that so whoever is i hope they do a good job so we decided we're, we're sticking to the format, but we're experimenting a little this week. So we talk comic book based animation and to mix it up a little bit with another love of ours, we decided to talk Marvel Comics Zombies. Heck yeah. Which was your idea. So uh, was it more your love of zombies or more your love of this particular episode of the cartoon? That's a great question. Um, I, I always have enjoyed the, the uh, zombie genre. Um, I think that it's got a lot of cool stuff, and I, I really like to see when people uh, turn parts of it on its head. And I think this "What If" uh, Marvel "What If" episode did that a little bit. They they kept to the to the format fairly uh, for the most part, fairly well. But I think they they changed enough um, for one to really show the scariness of if these characters were to become zombies, but also enough to where you have, I, I personally have questions about how the heck it's happening <laughs> to be it for And I'm sure we'll get into that a little bit, but, um, um, but yeah, I think that uh, it was more my, maybe more my love for the what ifs than it was for actual zombies. And I really like this episode. So it's fun to talk about it. Well, I was pretty excited because I'm a huge fan of not only the horror genre, but I love the, the zombie genre. Before we get into it, we're going to start with a, not a brand new feature, but a fairly new feature. We start off with guest trivia. Uh oh. Uh oh. I'm in trouble. I've got two trivia questions. I have a what if question and a zombie question. Which one would you like first? Oh gosh. Let's do the zombie question. All right. Zombie trivia here in the multiverse. I'm going to embarrass what? myself. <laughs> <laughs> this one, when I, I looked it up, I didn't know the answer, but when I, when I found out it was like, man, I can't believe I missed this. Mm -hmm. What is the highest grossing zombie film ever made? Oh, jeez. Are, are we taking inflation into it? No, this is just what they actually what they actually grossed at the box office. Oh gosh. Um, I mean, you got to go with some of the ori originals like uh, um, uh, Night of the Walking Dead, uh, De um, or you know what I'm gonna say? I think those Zombieland movies did pretty good. I'm trying to think of any other. Oh, Shaun of the Dead did pretty good, if I remember correctly. 
I'm going to go out on a limb and say it's zombie land. That's wrong, though. that's actually what i thought when i came up with it the answer is actually world war z world war z of course brad pitt (laughs) how could i have forgotten that one uh roast 540 million worldwide but yeah i did the same thing i thought oh it's got to be zombie land and then i'm like oh well i should have i should have been obvious but yeah that makes me mad i actually just watched that one about uh two months ago so i should should have been straight my brain hmm little fun fact i believe it's mel brooks son who wrote the book that that movie is based on that's interesting all right we're gonna get 50 50 you're gonna get half right you're gonna get the we'll see question. we'll see <laughs> all right back in 1977 they released the first issue of what if what if spider-man joined the fantastic four what legendary comic writer wrote that issue i mean it's gotta be stan lee right or probably maybe not. Maybe that's a little too late. It's 1977. 1977. So it's too late for that. Dicko. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Darn it! I am O for O. <laughs> Actually, uh, rascally Roy Thomas wrote the very Roy first Thomas. issue of What If. Yeah, cheers. All right, so we're gonna get into it. We're gonna get into. I embarrassed myself, Matt. <laughs> I embarrassed myself. I should be well... ashamed. <laughs> I'm going to hang my head for all zombie and comic book fans everywhere. (laughs) You're not the first person I've had on that didn't get the trivia. (laughs) (laughs) Good. That makes me feel better. So we're going to talk a little uh, what if little zombies. First of all, the what if comic book, obviously we just said 1977 debuted. Uh, They've had, uh, I believe, five, maybe six volumes of the story. Basically, the idea of one little thing had happened differently in the Marvel Universe. How did it diverge? Uh They've done many things over the years, uh, some great, some not so good. I think over the years, they've kind of used to be one little thing, but they've kind of strewn away from it a lot over the years. Do you have a, a favorite? Uh, the only the first two are the ones I read the most. So I think my favorite was uh, what if Cap hadn't come out of suspended animation until the 1980s. That was like one of my favorites. If I'm being 100% honest, I was more of a brave and the bold guy. If I'm being 100% honest with you. Um, but I do remember uh, some of the titles that they had, um, like uh, What if Punisher Killed the Marvel Universe, right? That was a oh, yeah. fairly recent one, if I remember correctly, right? Yeah, I believe that was Garth Ennis who wrote that, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it was about preacher time. Yeah, that makes, yeah. That makes sense. <laughs> Where Frank Castle just kills everybody. <laughs> yeah, gosh, I wish that I could um, go back and verbatim just like rattle off 20 what ifs that that changed my life as a writer and artist but i don't i don't know if i could do that i think the the idea of the what if was always um intriguing to me because it was anything goes and that's that's what i I love about what they do with that is that it's it's it it's literally anything goes you can do whatever you want and there's no but you know there's no boundaries to it and that's that's what i think with uh, the what if that really um intrigued me about it uh, my only what if complaint ever was the second series, which I believe was the late eighties into the nineties, where they had a tendency to since it didn't count, kill everybody in every issue. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, going for that big swing. If you look at it, I think it was specifically what if the X Men lost Inferno and like they like kill the entire. I think like three Marvel heroes are alive at the end. You know, and you know what? Now I'm sitting here thinking about. I guess technically the DC version of what if would be the Elseworlds. Right. So uh, yeah. even before that, they would always do their imaginary stories. Imaginary. Yeah. 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 yeah but... So uh, I will I will say again, 
admitting that I'm probably more of a DC guy than I was a Marvel. But um, one of my favorite series growing up was what Captain America No More uh, in the oh, early 80s. Favorites. Yeah, he um, when he gave up the the shield and and uh, um, uh, the so U.S. agent. He wasn't called U.S. agent. Super Patriot is what he called himself. Super Patriot, before. Yeah. yeah, and he. It, I read that thing cover to cover a bazillion times. It was one of my favorite. The art was amazing. The story was made. It was one of those comics that really, really showed me that that while it's superheroes, it can also be more than that. You know what I mean? It can be. It can be. Um, it can be political. It can be like hyper spy, like that kind of stuff. Um, and to be able to drastically change Steve Rogers character like that, I thought was really cool. So it was, it was one of those sto- uh, stories that I really loved growing up with. And then they were the, um, Captain America, Bucky, uh, team up, uh, the new Captain America and the new Bucky team up there was always a fun one for me out there. I thought their dynamic was really more team than hero and sidekick, which, uh, which I really enjoyed. And they had it in the, uh, the uh, Falcon and the winter soldier series a little bit. A little bit. <laughs> See, a little bit. It was fun to see, you know, a live action, even though I think they could have pushed it a little bit further. Um, I think yeah. there was more there was more to that. I think they had to cut some stuff for real world reasons, if I remember correctly. Cut some stuff. I mean, they my major complaint about that series was they had so many ideas jammed into six episodes. Uh I think they could have cut a little more. <laughs> yeah, one of the storylines they had in there that there was a uh, like a pandemic that w- they were trying to start a pandemic, and it was coming out right at the beginning of the pandemic. So I oh, think they geez. they got cold feet. That's probably why. So uh, we're also going to talk since we're mixing Marvel comics and zombies, the zombie genre, which I'm a huge fan of. Now, it's not universally accepted, but uh, everyone, most of the things I can look up, the first zombie movie ever made, everyone credits the movie White Zombie that came out back in 1932. So the genre has been around for obviously almost 100 years now. Probably There's probably zombie stories before that movie, but it wasn't really until uh, 1968, Night of the Living Dead, where the birth of the, the zombie genre that we all know and love started, which not my favorite zombie movie, but a classic, one of my favorites, and it is a great movie. Would you, can you, uh, I mean, because that one introduced the the zombies were just reanimated corpses. There was nothing like supernatural about it. That introduced the shooting them in the brain, them eating the flesh of the living. Very graphic for its time, because it's the first time they ever showed anything like that. Remind me, um, this is, sometimes I get those older ones mixed up in my brain. Uh, is this the one where they get trapped in the house? Yes. Death. Okay, good. Good, good. I was remembering. There is right, a remake right too that's yeah. There's a, a color remake as well, so. And there's people in the basement? Yes, exactly. Good, good, good. I I'm, I'm glad I was remembering the correct one. Um you know, that one always was funny to me because it, it seemed still it, like it, clearly the the genre hadn't been all the rules hadn't been made, but I what what the parallel and I'm going to parallel to the what if. It seemed that the zombies still had a little bit of understanding in there, right? Because they were using tools they were they were opening doors. They were doing things that you probably wouldn't see zombies like say say something like Walking Dead. You wouldn't see them doing nowadays. And I think that and we'll talk about it. I'm sure, but the the Marvel What If kind of parallels that a little bit to some degree. I think. Yeah, they um maintained basic motor function, and and it was never really fully explained, but they had a vague recollection. If you go to Day of the Dead uh, with the character of Bud where they're training the zombie to try and you know be human again you they really get into that 
they've maintained some of the memories from their past lives, which they get into more in Land of the Dead as well. That was the whole premise of Land of the Dead. Do you have a favorite zombie movie of all time? Um, probably not. <laughs> uh, you know, there there are some that I really like. I think that. I, like I mentioned a couple of the top there, Zombieland, I really think that had a, a lot of fun stuff in it. And they were kind of ton, tongue in cheeking the idea of it and with those really quirky characters. So, you know, running around trying to kill zombies and and Shaun of the Dead's fun. I, you know, if I, I and, and like so many other people, I was a big fan for probably seven seasons of The Walking Dead. Um, and I really enjoyed what they were doing with it to a point. Uh, but, but I don't, I don't know if I could pinpoint in world war Z. I thought it was really great. What I really liked about that one. And you could probably tell me more, uh, about this, but what I really liked is how they made the zombies fast. It gets credited to the movie 28 days later, but technically the oldest zombie movie I could think of with the zombies ran would be return of the living dead back in 1985. I believe it came out, which is one of my all time favorite zombie movies. Yeah, I, I've um, always thought that fast zombies was scarier than slow zombies. Slow zombies always seemed like, well, they're super slow. You could easily kill all of them. But the fast zombies, I thought it was more of a threat. I think uh, the original Dawn of the Dead is my all-time favorite zombie movie. But I love the original Living Dead trilogy. I love Return of the Living Dead. I love 28 Days Later. I love Zombieland, as you mentioned. I love Shaun of the Dead. Mm. It's weird because it was when I was a teenager... The zombie movies, when I started getting into them, they were kind of on their last leg. It was like they had a real popularity, especially in like Italian horror in the 70s and 80s. But then uh, they started dying down and in the 90s. I mean, the whole horror genre died in the 90s, but uh, there wasn't anything big. And uh, it wasn't really until the Resident Evil video games came around that I think that the zombies started getting into people's psychic again. And then we had in the early 21st century had 28 days later. And then the walking dead comic book first started coming out. Yeah. I think you could make since you're a big fan of horror, I think you could make a good argument that the Friday the 13th series is a zombie, uh, a flick on. <laughs> never really said, but yeah, you could say that. <laughs> maybe not one until the very last, until the very last seconds of the movie. Cause the, um, cause that's when Jason Voorhees actually, you know, makes his first appearance, but I bet you could make a good argument that that's a zombie movie. Uh, they've never said I, I, I he's some kind of zombie. <laughs> I'm not exactly. <laughs> sure. So there's been plenty of different, uh, it's weird. The zombie genre. Cause there's so many like, cliche trope things that are in a lot of them but then there's also a lot of variety like at the time 28 days later was innovative they hadn't seen anything like it uh walking dead is a lot similar to the romero movies uh it does its own thing and it expands upon it but it is very similar to the formula of that so then in uh since it started picking up again uh back in 2005 the marvel zombies comics started coming out which i've only read a couple of them yeah, me too, and I couldn't I couldn't pinpoint which ones I've actually read. I think I, I picked up a couple because it looked fun, and the artwork was good in the ones that I saw, so I picked them up and checked them out, but I don't know if I could even remember. The one that stuck out in my head most is there was, it was like a sequel because Spider, they had eaten Galactus, and some of them had cosmic powers, so cosmic zombie Spider-Man went to an alternate <laughs> universe trying to find a cure, cause, and it was like Marvel was still in the 70s. Mm-hmm. 
But then all hell breaks loose and they pretty much <laughs> kill and eat everybody on that planet. <laughs> the only thing I didn't like about Marvel Zombies, the comic, is I didn't like that the zombies, not only did they maintain their personality, but they all talked like they were still the character. They talked like zombie versions of the characters, but they all seemed to keep all of their personality, all of their uh, memories, except they just now ate human beings. <laughs> That's funny. That's, you know, uh, that's a kind of a critique I had with the cartoon um, was that they seem to be able to remember how like I like Tony Stark remembered how to use his armor. You know, uh, <laughs> Dr. Strange is, is doing all the magic stuff. I'm like, so wouldn't that mean that any normal zombie would still know how to drive a car, would still know how to paint a house, would still know how to, you know what I mean? Because those are just skills that yeah. <laughs> people have so so giving them uh, being in the suits but still being able to have the skills i understand why they did it uh but um uh, i was about to say realistically speaking that's a dumb thing to say i guess <laughs> but <laughs> but but realistically speaking they should just be like oh tony's armor should be falling off of him you know what i mean and and capage probably should have dropped his his uh shield somewhere and um and maybe even um uh, wasp wouldn't remember how to use her grow her growing technology um so so funny stuff but again it wouldn't be fun if those zombies weren't walking around doing the things that the superheroes do we are going to go back to september 8th 2021 the episode is called what if zombies but like with a question mark <laughs> usually it's what if you know uh Sharon Carter became Captain America or uh, what if the Avengers never existed? This is what if zombies. So now the show itself was uh, developed on Disney plus by an AC Bradley. This episode is directed by uh, Brian Adams and it's uh, written by Matthew Chauncey, Marvel studios animation. What do you think of the animation style of the what if cartoon? I've, I've heard varying opinions on it. Yeah. Um, I, I, I think it did the job. I think it did the job. I think they could have gone a little grittier, uh, especially with the, 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 uh, concept that they were presenting. Um, but I understand why they, why they kept the, the animation the same throughout most of the series. Um, and it's a, it's, you know, a clean style and it did the job and it's, uh, I, I think it did the job. I would have liked to see a little bit more, um, you know how Disney, when they, when they stopped using, uh, they started using the Xerox cells and stopped inking on top of the, and they just yeah. used the Xerox cells and made it darker. And it always had that little like grittiness to it. You know what I mean? Like I would have, I would have liked to see something like that, like bugs jumping off of them. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, I understand what you're saying. Or those uh, Disney flicks like uh, 101 Dalmatians or, um, or uh, Aristocats or um, what's the one with the, um, the rescuers. Yeah where it, it was a little grittier they were i don't think they were going for that but it just was always what stuck out in my mind as, as something so to be able to have a little grittier animation i think would have done the story a little bit better but it did the job it did the job <laughs> i like how <laughs> you sound like you <laughs> don't want to say it too much negative about it <laughs> but the, it did the job yeah it did the job i you know i, I think they're 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 trying to throw out a lot of product make a lot of content with it. You know, I think that's a sometimes most of the time, a good thing. Somebody was just saying, I was reading something about, um, 
Marvel and Star Wars, and it was probably a Gen Xer saying, saying just because you have the product doesn't mean that they need their own individual show or they need their own individual movie, like have them be supporting characters like they were designed to be. It's a level of quality, not quantity that I think that uh, is, is probably one of the biggest um, critiques that people give that I would give also on some level to, to Marvel is that um, they're trying to get so much out that it can, and sometimes does affect the quality of the work. I think they didn't, and it seems crazy because they're such a big corporate. I don't think they took in mind how much you have to operate at a loss at a streaming service before you start becoming profitable. And their solution came, we just have to crank out as much content as we possibly can to get people to subscribe. And I think that, you know, that can have its merits as long as they are taking the time and paying the people to do quality work. I mean, you can put out, they're Disney. They can do whatever. They can put out as much as they want, whenever they want. But uh, um, I think that um, the time they gave themselves to do it quality, maybe, maybe got sacrificed along the way. Again, I'm not in charge, but uh, I think that some of those, if you would have waited three more months and really honed in on the script, um, it probably would have created a better product. Um, But then again, seeing those characters in live action is fun. So, and it's not, it's not Hamlet. <laughs> so, oh. so let's just get it out. You know, anyone who listened to my previous episode or interact with me on social media, I am not super high on the what if series on a whole. Some of the episodes, I thought the premise were flimsy at best. I will agree and, with that. Yeah. And like, I liked the, the only other episode of my podcast I did was the, what if Sharon Carter had become Captain America? Well, came Captain Carter, but you know what I mean? That episode I think was that bad, but my major complaint about it was all these random things just kept happening just because of that event that don't make any sense. Like, why didn't they happen in the first Avenger? They still would have happened. None of those events happened because Steve Rogers didn't become Captain America. What got me on that one where I was like, oh, come on, you're just trying to throw as much stuff in was, I, th- I believe it was Steve Rogers jumping out of that robot tank thing. Yeah, so stupid. Why is he there? He should not have been in the military at all. <laughs> Why is Steve Rogers there? I mean, of course, you got to get Steve Rogers in there somehow. But I wish maybe they would have. Maybe if Steve Rogers was in the military, maybe Sharon saves him from getting shot. And, you know, and he does this line, I could do this all day. And she just kind of like, all right, skinny and walks away from him. Um, I think that would have had a little bit more that would have reverbed a little bit more than him. And if I remember correctly, a giant robot, right? Giant robot. Like Howard Stark had built this giant robot Iron Man type thing that he wore. Like, I don't know. It's almost like they didn't have the nerve to pull the trigger to not have Steve be in there. Yeah. There's so many more people, so many more characters, more capable of piloting that giant robot than Steve Rogers. Uh, so yeah, just kind of plugging them in and hoping that it works. And it's, it was cute. But also I think it should have been one and done, but yeah, now they've done comics with Captain Carter. They brought her into Dr. Strange and the multiverse of madness. Like that's another thing I hate with Elseworlds and what ifs is they just can't leave well enough alone ever. Yeah. Yeah. Less is more, less is more. Sometimes it was, I thought it was fun seeing, uh, Haley Atwell as actual, you know, live action Captain Carter. I don't really have much complaints with that one with seeing her in the costume and the shield. Um, I, yeah, I'm never going to complain about looking at Haley. Atwood. I'd watch her read the phone book. So, <laughs> so, 
go for it. Yeah, I, you know, I'll even take a another to the Shatter Captain Carter series or whatever uh, Agent Carter series. Um, but to to have her jumping around, okay, you, yeah, yeah, you had me a hello. Let's do it. Now, an interesting thing: What if is the first reference to Uncle Ben in the MCU? Hmm. There's a throwaway line from I don't know if you call it throwaway. There's a line from Peter Parker in this episode, which we're going to get to in a minute, where it's a mention of Uncle Ben. It's the first time Uncle Ben in the MCU has ever been mentioned. Hmm. Really? It's nice to know that he still exists in the MCU, even though they haven't. I mean, I don't blame them for not retreading his origin, but I, uh, it's kind of weird that he's almost never mentioned, and this is the first time in the MCU he's ever been mentioned. Did Tobey Maguire Peter mention him in the last one with all three of them? I can't remember the Spider-Man uh, into the, into what was it? It was uh, Far From Home. Far From Home, yeah. yeah. No, wait, no, 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 wait, no, wait, no way home. Sorry. No, yes, no, yes. No. Didn't Toby, did Tobey Maguire mention him? They might, he not, might not have said Uncle Ben. I don't think him or Andrew mentions him in No Way Home. It's been a while since I've seen it, but. That's very surprising. Yeah, you would think that. Even if he did, this cartoon debuted before that. Because remember, oh, yes. this was at the beginning of the pandemic and No Way Home was like the end of the pandemic. That's right. That's right. Timetables. Well, on that note, we're going to take our break. Dave and I are going to watch What If Zombies. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Oh, God. Was I too late? Oh, jeez. Come on, big guy. Time to go green. Oh, no. Hear me and rejoice. Come out. Come out. Come out. What do you mean, no? You are about to die at the hands of the children of... Tony? Oh boy, are you guys screwed. Huh? Yeah, Iron Man. Wait, what are you guys? That's. Uh, that sort of seems like overkill. Meanwhile, at the Podcast of Justice. And we are back, and we just watched What If Zombies. Now, we didn't get into it. Normally, I get into all the voice acting, but it's the voice act. It's the guys who play them in the MCU, so I didn't think I really felt the need to <laughs> to go over everybody. Y'all, I'm assuming you listen to this podcast. Most of you have seen a majority of the MCU movies. The only one unique, though, is the voice of the Watcher, Jeffrey Wright. Mm. Uh, Jeffrey Wright, anyone doesn't know, he played Commissioner Gordon in The Batman. He was in second Hunger Games movie, Westworld. Uh, Asteroid City, the Boardwalk Empire. The guys, guy's been in a lot of movies, but he—he's the best part of the show. His Watcher, I think, is is perfect. Like he is great as the Watcher. Like the Watcher is 
Can't give him any flack. They got the washer absolutely perfect. I agree. Yeah, his voiceover was was good to go. It surprised me that um, they, and I'm sure it was contractual, that they got uh, all, all the actual actors to voice these characters. Um, I'm sure some of them were dragging their feet and, and uh, uh, huffing and puffing all the way to the sound studio. But um, um, uh, but uh, that was fun to be able to actually have the voices of these character of the of the actual actors uh, voicing these characters. That's a uh, that's pretty odd for that to happen. If I know cartoons at all. It is impressive. Yeah, they uh, there's been a lot of things based on live action, and sometimes they get one or two. The only one I can think of is the Star Trek cartoon from the '70s. Got yeah, it. yeah, yeah. Everybody but Walter Coe came back for that, so that's the only one I can compare it to. Do you remember the not the sidetrack, but do you remember the real Ghostbusters uh, cartoon from the early mid '90s ish? The one based on the actual movie, right? Not the the yes, yes, I do. <laughs> so, um, gosh, I'm having trouble. Ernie Hudson. Um, yeah. went for the part of, of, uh, his character, Winston, uh, Winston, and he didn't get the part cause he did. They said he didn't sound <laughs> Winston-y enough. Didn't they give it to Arsenio Hall? They gave it to Arsenio, it was Arsenio Hall. <laughs> and you know what else is funny? Gosh, I know too much about this is that the guy who, um, voiced Peter Venkman yep. was also the guy who voiced Garfield. Yep. And then later on, Bill Murray voiced Garfield, Garfield, and the live action Garfield movies. I think that while... Rick and Morty, I think, even made a reference to that. <laughs> yeah, that's that's weird stuff, man. Yeah, how does he, how does Winston not sound Winston enough? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I get, you know, Arsenio Hall did a great job on it, but to, to not have the actual Winston, funny, I don't know. It must maybe it was a timing thing with his voice, and I don't, I don't know, really weird, funny stuff. I think it's kind of, I think they might be going something on because he said repeatedly that. A lot of the studio didn't want him even in the movie. Like, yeah, you know, I think they did, did do him a disservice because they could have found a way for all of the problems with the um, the Ghostbusters remake, I guess, with the with the girls, girl Ghostbusters, yeah. female Ghostbusters. They did a better job of bringing in characters organically. Um, um, and having Ernie Hudson's character be like an expert on the subways or an expert in, the, you know, might give him a taxi driver, you know what I mean? And they, maybe Ecto-1 breaks down and he's running around trying to get them through, you know, New York City. And they're like, wow, man, do you like ghosts? He's like, yeah, everybody likes ghosts. Why don't you come be a Ghostbuster? I don't know, just some that, that was off the top of my head and it was horrible, but something else <laughs> to be able to, something else to be able to, you know what I mean? Like organically bring his character in, except for if, there's been a steady paycheck in it. I believe anything you say. So this cart, this what if zombies? I sidetracked us. I'm sorry, Matt. That's all right. <laughs> it's it takes place right at the beginning of what would have been Infinity War with Incredible Hulk being sent back to Earth to warn everybody about Thanos, and they have the exact scene where he crashes into Doctor Strange house, but this time nobody's there, and uh, he goes out. The streets are deserted. He thinks he's arrived too late that Thanos has already wiped out half the universe. And this is where we get our first glimpse of Wong zombie, Doctor Strange zombie, and Iron Man zombie. And like you had referenced previously, yeah, they all know how to use their powers, their magic, and the Iron Man armor. They're magicking it up. They're magicking and sciencing it up. I will say, I think, especially the heroes, we'll get into this more when they appear, the zombie heroes, I think the designs are really good on this cartoon. Like, like, Tony Stark, the Iron Man zombie, looks particularly great, I think, in this scene. Yeah, I agree. I think that they they um, uh, really nailed the costumes and, and the having them 
ripped and having them, you know, uh, shown shown the wear and tear of uh, them. And I always love the. I mean, it's a it's a staple of zombies, but the jaw hanging, you know, for your teeth and jaw hanging from the, from their from their skull. Um, it's just those visuals that if you're doing a zombie show or a movie, you have to show those sort of things. Yeah, and, and I think they did a good job with that. So we find out from a watcher voiceover that when Hank Pym went into the quantum realm and Ant-Man and, and the Wasp, he found Janet, but she was infected with a zombie-type disease and brought it back. And in less than 24 hours, they have almost the entire Pacific Northwest is a... Uh, and this is a cliche to me in zombie movies that transfers here. I always, as much as I love the genre, I find it just preposterous. Just mindless zombies wouldn't get taken care of. They'd, they'd, it'd be a, a crisis for like a couple of days, but yeah. humans with guns, intelligence, the military, I think we would, I think we would win in the end. And every time they take over the entire planet. Yeah, I agree. I think that uh, anybody that's ever watched a zombie movie, even if you're enjoying it, says, why don't they just like put like a siren in the middle of a of a baseball stadium and have all the zombies come into the baseball stadium and then blow up the baseball stadium? Done. Zombies are gone now. (laughs) Now, that's one thing about this that does work is when when they affect the Avengers. Okay, these are super powered beings that maintain their power. So it is a little bit more plausible that they could take over the world. I think, especially with there's so many superheroes. Sure. And I did love Ant-Man real tiny biting Steve Rogers in the neck. Yeah. <laughs> right. I thought that was really, he's like reacting to something and we can't see it. And then they zoom in and it's, it's, uh, it's, uh, uh, I, Ant-Man biting him on his neck and his tiny little bite on it. And that'd be a funny thing too. Would Ant-Man only have to bite you once when he is like microscopic for it to affect you that quickly like uh, that's what i thought i'm like it would probably take days to get through a system because it's like the tiniest saliva ever yeah i've always like in the old romero films it was a little more scientific where it was bacteria and you would get sicker after time and it would so sometimes in these zombie movies it just you're bit instantaneously (laughs) they had like what 42 minutes they had to speed up the process so um so he gets saved by this ragtag group of survivors. And then for some reason, the movie becomes zombie land for some stupid reason where Spider-Man's videotaping on his phone and uh, telling you these rules and cracking. The humor in this is really off-putting to me. Like it just does not work at all. Yeah, it's a little uh, it's a little abrasive. Uh, I think it fits with with um, that Spider-Man character, the Tom Holland Spider-Man character. Um, but yeah, like breaking the fourth wall uh, to involve us and to, you know, just throw joke after joke after joke. It, it did take me out a little bit um, because there was no um, there was like the stakes lowered for me, uh, you know, that uh, but just because they just if he's up there on the roof or wherever he was cracking jokes. They're clearly not in any danger. Yeah, it's like they have like, I don't know, there was like nine episodes. They had plenty of other episodes to have jokes. This is one episode that really didn't need the MCU humor. It's that grittiness, yeah, that we were talking about. I think that they they realized that, that oh, people like jokes. Like it's this huge revelation <laughs> that people like jokes. And I think they joke us to death sometimes. Um, unfortunately, I think that uh, Thor Love and Thunder had that problem where they joked us to death. Um, I think that uh, Ragnarok, maybe one or two too many jokes, but they but they drew a line. 
Yes. I mean, in my mind, they drew a line and it, and it worked. Um, but uh, the, the love and thunder for me didn't work because it was just so it didn't take itself seriously. Does that make sense? Yeah, I agree almost with every 100 percent with everything. You're yeah, what's the word? Um, uh, verisimilitude. Right. Yes. You got to take it serious. <laughs> verisimilitude. Take it seriously. So uh, we basically find out. We basically find out that they're they've been receiving this beacon message from a facility in Jersey that might have a cure to the epidemic, which they find out is the old Shield headquarters from you know the first Captain America movie, which they went back to in Civil War. Very popular zombie trope is there's some location that is like a haven or zombie free or human sanctuary, and they have to get there. Mm-hmm. So. This is a mix of some cool original ideas with some tired zombie tropes thrown in. But I guess, I mean, how often I do a zombie movie, I can't really hold that much against them. Yeah. You got to try to get as many tropes in there as you can. Conveniently to the plot, almost every character who can fly has been turned into a zombie. So, of course, they can't just fly to Jersey. They have to find some other mode of transport. Anybody who hasn't seen it, it's uh, Spider-Man, Winter Soldier, Wasp, Sharon Carter... Um, the girl from Wakanda Forever, which I can never pronounce their names, and uh, the the Slavic guy from Ant Man. Oh, and Happy Hogan. And Happy for for a very brief spoilers for a very brief amount of time, uh, which which I thought was funny. Happy being in there and his little gag that he had in there, I thought was was you know very happy, very very early MCU Happy Hogan. So they get to the train station, and this was, for some inexplicable reason, split up. Yeah, dumb idea. <laughs> I think they even mentioned this in the cartoon, do they? Why they're splitting up the dumb idea? Yeah, Spider-Man says it's a dumb idea. Yeah. yeah. And then, yeah, he says, don't you have horror movies in Wakanda? And she says, <laughs> we have American reality TV. And At that point, I was just waiting for the... Yeah, jeez, yeah. But that's true to character, though, because she did make a Starbucks joke. In one of them, I don't remember that's, what it was. Yeah, so, that's, so, that's, been, so that's true to character. I'll, I'll give her that one. They get the train going. We lose Happy Hogan in the process, who for some reason is saying blam whenever he shoots the repulsor ray. I'm, I'm not really sure. Another annoying bit where Hawkeye shoots her with an arrow and she sits there to the last minute, gets out of it, and then just pulls the arrow and leaves. I'm like, why did you just do that from the get-go? Yeah, funny, yeah. Like that forced... Um, force um, uh, drama that forced tension where it was clearly easily to get out of, you know, something else when Sharon uh, turned the gun on, on happy, it, it seemed a little like, I understand why she did it, but kind of disrespectful to use his blam right after that. Right. Like that's just like, weird. Oh, yeah. really? Okay. <laughs> uh, but, but again, you know, and I don't know if they were going for a joke. I think they were trying to go for sentimental on some level. Yeah, you're probably right. Yeah, but I don't know if that worked. Now, when, on the train, uh, we get the my what I thought was probably the best scene in the movies, and we get Zombie Captain America is mm-hmm. pretty awesome when he shows up. Like the character design, his first appearance, that just silhouette that it looks like Cap, but then you see it's the zombie, and he's still got a shield. That was a pretty awesome scene, and then he gets sliced in half. Maybe you can help fill a hole for me. He did kind of seem to come out of nowhere. I know they were heading to New Jersey. Had they already stopped? Had they already gotten to? No, the the train was moving. Maybe he had jumped on it 
while they were in the, the leaving the train station? Because they plowed through that thing of zombies, so maybe he was there and jumped on the back. Maybe, yeah, but he showed up, and then the, and then it was a while before he shows up again. Yeah, he kills uh, kills Sharon, who yeah. for some reason went on her own to the back of the train and gets killed. Uh, Bucky ends up slicing him in half, and in the fight, Wasp gets bitten. She's going to turn to a zombie where they're going to get left behind. But uh, this is uh, a scene where uh, I almost kind of forgave Spider-Man's humor because he does give a really good speech about how he lists a lot of the people that they've lost and how hope is all we have and isn't that what you need in a zombie movie. So they redeemed him a little, so I almost forgive his humor. (laughs) We're going to get to another character who I am not going to forgive his humor that hasn't appeared yet that drove me insane. I think I know who you're talking about. (laughs) Yeah, a little little much. So they do make it. They lose Wasp in the process because she, um, but she grows giant. A pretty cool scene where she trumbles through a bunch of zombies and uh, carries them across. She gets killed in the process, but they all make it to safety where we notice that none of the zombies will enter this facility. Won't even attempt it. So it's a little strange. No, can I talk about the wasp scene for a second? The first thing I thought, which cool scene, great visual. um, It seemed to me she could have found something big and metal to like shovel those people, those zombies up and throw them out of there. Right. I mean, it's yeah, it sounds logical. It's stupid to try to 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 <laughs> problem solve um, the the zombie movie as it's happening, um, but uh, just one of those things as a writer that I that I would say why why doesn't she just grab a big like make a big shovel and just shovel like she doesn't have to touch any of those things she doesn't have to walk through them she can shovel them out of the way um, and throw them into the atmosphere zombies gone but again that you know that's trying to fix a problem where they're just trying to have a cool visual so. So we find out Vision is there, and it's the Mind Stone that's keeping all these zombies at bay. It creates a a field where it disrupts them, and he can also use it to possibly cure them. And this is where we get <sighs> almost unforgivable, where we get Ant-Man is still alive, just ahead. He looks just like the heads from Futurama. Mm-hmm. I love Paul Rudd. <laughs> I love but. the first Ant-Man movie, but this is so stupid on so many levels. It just drove me crazy. Uh, yeah. He's joking all the time. And I'm just like, this is ridiculous. Like, yeah, it was again, it's with the, the so many just witty banter going back and forth that it takes you out of what's happening in the story. Um, right. Again, yeah. Yeah. Paul Rudd, you, you let him witty banter, you know, I mean, but to, to completely take out any of the the um, the trauma and the the the, the fear that's have things that are happening um, with him just running around in in Doctor Strange's cape, um, yeah, interesting choice. It's interesting choice. That's okay. how I'll say that. You're it's very good at choice. putting a positive spin. On <laughs> <laughs> well, we find T'Challa's right there, and I do want to mention this is one of Chadwick Boseman's last work before he sadly passed away you, you do he did the voice for the black panther episodes of the what if mm-hmm. um and found out that this whole thing has been a trap set by the vision which by the way uh is kind of another kind of zombie trope where it seems like this is the answer to their problems but there's more going on yeah. 
where Wanda's a zombie, but he can't bring himself to kill her. And she can't because she's so powerful, his, the Mind Stone will not transfer her back. Mm-hmm. She escapes because Bucky accidentally shoots the thing, which manages to get her out. Where I gotta say, the visual, the stuff with Wanda is pretty, pretty good. Like, yeah, they, yeah. they took it. If you had just gotten Ant Man out of those scenes, it would have been good because they were taking it seriously and it seemed like a real threat. And good stuff with Bruce in there, also. Good stuff with, yes. with Hulk. I agree. And running through, you know, his, his body constantly uh, um, uh, healing itself. So he wasn't really affected. So to see him. Uh, fighting that, and it's a dual identity concept again that they had in all the end game movies. Um, that I thought they did a nice job of of bringing them back and 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 resolving that um, that conflict in the forty two minutes, forty minutes that they had uh, to be able to have Hulk have that good visual of him just chucking zombies, just chucking zombies around. Yeah, and they have it's a pretty cool fight with him and Wanda. We only get to see a little snippet. That's a fight I I would like to have seen expanded because that was pretty dang cool. Yeah. So they're going to go to Wakanda, which is the only human sanctuary where they can use the technology of the Mind Stone to possibly cure the world. Now, this is the only plot point that really got under my skin. <laughs> Instead of, hey, let's all get on the plane, get it started, get it to take off, Vision immediately rips the Mind Stone out of his head to give it to him, which immediately all the zombies start <laughs> running in and they have to escape from him. I'm like, Hey, jerk, we're in this position because of you in the first place. Could you wait to rip it off until we're on the damn jet? Yeah, bad timing. Bad timing. They managed to get on the jet. Everybody's dead except for Black Panther, Spider-Man, and Ant-Man. Really cool scene where zombie giant uh, wasp grabs the, <laughs> the Quinjet, but they use the thrusters to get away. I like the bit where she throws a zombie at, <laughs> at the plane. That was pretty awesome. Last thing that happens is uh, they're they're all pretty confident that things are going to... They're pretty damn upbeat considering all their friends... They've witnessed most of their friends dying. Ant-Man is just a head in a jar and <laughs> Black Panther's missing a leg. But they're pretty upbeat and optimistic. And you get to Wakanda and you see there's a bunch of zombies there, including zombie Thanos, who's got the Infinity Gauntlet missing everything but the Mind Stone. And the last line from the Watcher, he says... Even in the darkest of times, humans will give all to save the planet, even if it might bring an end to the universe. <laughs> and there you have it. That's how we wrapped up What If Zombies. So you get kind of what happened a lot of what ifs is like kind of a, it didn't always get wrapped up in the end. Sometimes it was kind of a cliffhanger left open. Yeah. I'm really, uh, we're going to get to our ranking system in a minute. I'm really going back and forth about this. there's things about this i it's like a lot of phase four mcu there's some stuff i really like but then there's a lot of stuff i really don't like it's i'm so torn on how i'm gonna rank this it's funny i think that on some level the mcu struggles with who their audience is sometimes they try to please everybody on some level, you know what I mean? And like throwing the, the, the gags out on the jokes and the, um, and, and having, you know, a, kind of a loose base story sometimes where some of it doesn't quite make any sense, but then sometimes you get that real, the real gravitas. Sometimes you get real heavy stuff going on. So it's, it really is funny. Sometimes it's tone. I know people sometimes talk about wanting the MCU to be darker to have some of those themes and bring back some of those themes that were a little bit more heavy. 
but I don't know. I don't know if they do that because then would little kids buy the uh, lunch boxes? It's hard to say. Like Secret Invasion, I hear is more serious and whatnot, but that's pretty much bombed as far as viewers. Now, is that because they don't want to see that, or is it because people are burnt out on the MCU? It's hard to really say at this point. Uh, can I? Be, I'll be honest, and this is this is one of the few times where I won't be very diplomatic. I just thought it was boring. I, I watched the whole thing, and there was there was good stuff hidden in there. But there were times where I just kind of found myself wandering away and wasn't really paying attention to it. Sam Jackson is great, as always, and there's a lot of good side character stuff in there. Amelia Clark seemed a little wasted to me. But, yeah, I think that was the biggest problem they had with it. It just it, uh, it, it was boring. Is that a fair assessment? But I, I haven't seen it, but uh, I'm... Made no secret, I'm pretty burnt down on the MCU. There's a whole bunch of Phase 4 I haven't seen. I I did see, uh, I saw Guardians of the Galaxy 3. Mm-hmm. And before that, I think the last thing I saw was uh, Werewolf by Night. Werewolf by Night I thought was excellent. That was great. I I would love to see him and Man-Thing and, uh, what the hell's her name, Jennifer, uh, why can I not think of the female? <laughs> um... <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe I'm drawing such a blank. Uh, but anyway, I would love to see them in like an X Files or Buffy the Vampire Slayer type show where every week they you know face a monster of the week. Uh, Don't they have a team? Is... Doesn't Marvel have a team of those guys? There's the, the Midnight Suns. I don't know if that's either. something like that. Well, yeah, there was a Sons of Satan where they some of those guys got brought together. If I and, remember uh, correctly, from my 70s and 80s comics books, but I might be wrong. Elsa Bloodstone. That's who it was. Bloodstone. I was confusing her with that character from Howard the Duck, Jennifer. I can't, I can't think of her name. We're going to move on. <laughs> All right, we're going to get to our ranking system. We're going to the spectrometer. Anyone new to the show, spectrometer is where we rank what we saw. Zero spectros, absolute garbage. Four spectros, perfection. Doesn't get any better than that. Wow. David? Zero to four. Oh god! You can do you can do halves and quarters. People do that. So, okay. How are you going to rank? What if zombies? You know, I think again as a creator, and I'm gonna I'm gonna internalize it. I'm gonna have empathy. As a creator, creating things is hard, especially at the level and speed that they're doing it at. So I, I'm gonna say it was like a two and three quarters. All right, now, I'm pretty close to you, and I'm going to preempt this. I get attacked a lot for being cynical and hating everything. I went into this wanting to like this. Like, I love zombies. I really wanted to like this. Mm-hmm. I'm going to give it a two. Okay. There are something, some of the zombie moments I think are really good, and I, I just feel it was wasted potential here. I think they were too eager to get a joke in, and it's a little rushed because it's only a 30-minute cartoon. Yeah, it took away the tension. They had more op- so many opportunities to make it scary. Um, and it kind of like how Werewolf by Night it was. It had some really tense, intense times or uh, uh, scenes. And uh, to be able to, um, you know, having a joke in there from time to time to cut the tension is, is great. Uh, but to just be flinging jokes at us um, to where we're not even paying attention to the zombies, I think, was, was where the downfall, um, the, for me, the biggest downfall was. And there's a couple of plot conveniences or plot stupidity that kind of makes. So I'm going to go two. I didn't hate it. Yeah. I liked it better than some of the what if episodes I've seen, which I thought were absolutely atrocious. But uh, it was 
there was enough I liked that I'll give it a two. I just, it wouldn't be like, hey, you have to go see this. But I'd say, ah, watch it. It's not so bad. That's where I'd go. And you could make a solid argument, too, that the that the trope of making bad choices during a horror film, zombie film, slasher film, whatever it is, um, is a staple of that also. So you look at some of the choices that they made or some of the things that happened. You're like, oh, maybe something in the virus causes them to be a little bit stupid. So they're, <laughs> so they're making these bad choices, not because they're stupid, but because the virus has infected them, just not to the level of zombie yet. Well, what did you think out there? Did you like it more than we did? Did you like it less? Either is fine. We're just two guys talking comic books, talking animation. Uh, go to my social media and let me know what you thought. You can find me on Twitter at Matt Spectro. You can find me at Facebook, Matt Spectro Through the Multiverse. And you can even find me, if you're so inclined, at Hive. I'm Matt Spectro, all lowercase letters. Dave, I want to thank you for stopping by and talking what if and talking Marvel Zombies. Yeah, Matt, thank you for having me on. I had a great time. I, anytime I can talk about horror and, and that genre, I'm all down for it. So thank you for having me on. Hope you'll come on another episode. Oh, yeah. We've reached the uh, free plug segment of our show. This is when I turn things over to the guests and I let them plug away anything and anything they want to plug. The floor is yours. The microphone is all yours. Fire away. Yeah, so you can find all my books uh, at correcthandedcomics.com. I just put out the uh, trade paperback collecting issues 23, 24, and 25, our Lightning Crashes series, uh, along with a black and white backup. Uh, and the slasher uh, fans will like this of our slasher comic book, a 24-page comic book, The Sock Hop Killer. The omnibus of uh, season two of The Offspring uh, is coming out later this month at the end of August. And I have a my second 100-plus page uh, graphic novel uh, coming out. Um, I'm hoping to get it out before Thanksgiving. It is a, uh, a space opera uh, with uh, lots of starships and fighting and pew-pew and all that cool stuff um, uh, called Latent Lightspeed. And it is a kind of a morality piece talking about how um, morality and our, and our mortality go hand in hand. Um, so I try to uh, weave that high concept into cool aliens and spaceships. And I, and I think it's, it's I'm on uh, page 41. I've inked and lettered up to page 41. And I think it's uh, coming out real good. It might be one of the best things I've ever created so far. Um, the, uh, the Offspring, you could find issues 1 through 25 or all of the trades, uh, trade paperbacks of volume 1 through 6 on our website, correctandcomics.com. And you can find uh, uh, me on social media, Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and TikTok and LinkedIn. Uh, and if you type in Correct Handed, I'll pop up. Beautiful. Well, like I said, I want to thank you. I want to thank everyone for joining us. And anyone out there, if you could uh, you know, buy Dave's comic and if you could subscribe to my podcast, I really appreciate it. Well, that's going to do it for this week. I want to thank you all for joining us. And uh, I know I've been rough this summer, but I promise I'm going to do my best to keep on a regular schedule. I appreciate you all joining us. And join us again next week for another exciting episode of Met Spectro Through the Multiverse, everyone. Excelsior!